Well, hey, everyone, welcome back. My name is Daniel Williams, and I am your host for the Leadership Lessons Podcast, where we continually are learning information, leadership lessons to help us grow and do the things that God has called us to do. And today's episode, I'm super pumped and excited to have the topic of youth ministry, youth ministry. That's right. Uh, ministering to the youth, man, it is so important, so vital. And what you may or may have not known about me is before my wife and I planted a church here in Delray Beach, Florida, um, I was actually a youth pastor at Calvary Chapel of Olympia for over seven years, and I loved it. It was some of the most fruitful, growing, stretching times of ministry to be able to see young people really, uh, man, be developed and empowered by the Holy Spirit and just grow grow in their faith. It was absolutely incredible. I love teaching the word of God, not only to everyone, but specifically to youth and to see them get that information and with childlike faith, apply it. There was exponential growth in many of the youth that I poured into, and they're still bearing fruit. Uh, it's been so cool to be able to pour your life into other people, but especially those that are younger, and not only give them biblical eternal truths, but also some wisdom. You see, we that are a little older, we've walked and we've um, lived with the Lord and followed him for so long that we've experienced some things that other people haven't experienced. And it's like that verse in Titus where it talks about like, Hey, older men pour into younger, older women pour into younger women. Um, it's so important and vital to our faith that we not only make disciples, but we also disciple the next generation. And so I have very great and fond and amazing memories in youth ministry, high school ministry to be exact. Um, not only, seeing their growth, but my growth. And it was actually in part because of youth ministry that my life changed. Uh, I grew up in Calvary Chapel of Tacoma, which was a smaller church, and we had a, a small youth ministry. There was only maybe a handful of us. On a good day, maybe eight on a Sunday morning or in youth events and stuff like that. And my life incredibly changed when I was a high school student because I went on a mission trip and saw about 50 to 60 young people actually love God. Uh, it, it radically formed my life so much so I was 17 when I came back from that trip. Um, I said, God, you are real. I'm fully committed my life to you. And I started teaching the Bible. The first book of the Bible I ever taught was uh, the book of James. Um, because I wanted my friends to know about this real God who I experienced because I saw him work in young people, my peers. And one of the leaders of that trip, or I should say the leader, uh, was Sean Holland. He was my wife's youth pastor. I did not know him. My wife was raised up in his ministry, but um, on this mission trip, he would take uh, summer camps and mission trips. And on this mission trip, uh, to Mexico, uh, I was invited to go to, and um, he did all this time energy work, him and the youth leaders, his wife, Erica, who poured into my wife specifically. Um, and it was just an incredible trip. I'm forever grateful to him and the ministry, how he served uh, the young people and my generation in that way. And so I figured the Bible says to outdo one another with honor. I wanted to honor him. And as we talk about youth ministry, I have some local leaders in our area that I'm going to 
be able to share their leadership lesson, interview them, give them some one piece of advice about student ministry and stuff. But I thought we would start with a guy named Sean Holland, my wife's youth pastor growing up and one that made great influence on me. Uh, he was recently here in Florida. I had him teach at the church. I had him come to the house. We had dinner with him and his wife. Great time of fellowship, talking for hours. And then, of course, I had him do a leadership lesson for us. Um, and you're going to see, you know, many people criticize youth ministry or, oh, it's just a whole bunch of games. No. When I was a youth pastor, I taught through books of the Bible. Um, same thing with Sean Holland. You're going to see the ministry philosophy that he has when he talks about servant leadership in his leadership lesson today and just the type of teaching. It's literally the same uh, from 20 years ago when I was sitting under his teaching as a youth. Uh, and so it's pretty amazing, pretty incredible to be able to uh, have him share on this episode. Super uh, honored. Uh, to be able to have him as an honored guest in youth ministry. He's sort of like the OG. He actually planted a church, um, raised up another pastor friend of mine that was in youth ministry, Tom Rush. Uh, and Tom Rush was the youth pastor at his church. He later planted a church. And so you see all this multiplication from uh, youth pastors that are just serving uh, what God's called them to do and serving the youth. And so I want to encourage you, if you're a youth leader, a youth director, a youth pastor, um, man, you are so important. You're so valuable to the kingdom of God and to churches. Uh, we want to continue to pour into youth, even especially now, now that I'm a, I'm a parent. So I'm in, I'm in youth ministry. I have a 14 year old daughter, 16 year old son, and I'm so grateful for the youth leaders that are pouring into them. Uh, Robin Shelley, Brian, uh, Carrie, Christina, they're, they're ministering to my kids and it's valuable for my family. And so uh, what an incredible blessing that we're going to have and fun time we're going to have today in this episode as we just think about youth ministry and the importance of learning from youth pastors and student directors and those that are in the thick of it uh, pouring into the next generation. Super grateful for you all. And so I'm so grateful to introduce to you Sean Holland, who's the pastor at uh, Calvary Chapel, Harbor Calvary Chapel. Uh, about 35, 45 minutes away from Olympia, Washington, uh, where we, he was youth pastor at. And just so honored and blessed to be able to not only have him pour into your life, but how he poured into us behind the scenes, uh, not on camera, and just his godly example in missions and serving the Lord and his faithfulness to the Lord. And so his leadership lesson is on servant leadership, and I know you're going to enjoy it. Well, my name's uh, Sean Holland, pastor at Harbor Calvary Chapel in Aberdeen, Washington. Uh, pastor Daniel has asked me to come and, and share a little bit this, this uh, evening, for me at least, uh, about servant leadership. And so I want to look at the scriptures about um, what it means to be a servant leader. Our greatest example, obviously, is Jesus. I mean, Jesus is always example of everything we do, you know, from being a believer, obviously, how to love others, how to be bold, to be meek, and how to be a leader. And Jesus was and is the greatest leader uh, that has ever lived. He had led away, uh, or um, he led in a way that was such a contrary to the world. Leadership is one thing that he taught his disciples, actually. And he used the rulers of the Gentiles as a good example of what not to do. Uh, if you have a Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 20. I want to read a few verses as Jesus is instructing his disciples about leadership. Matthew chapter 20, verses 25 through 28. Matthew 20, 25 through 28. He says this, But Jesus said to them, 
Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who are great uh, exercise authority over them. Yet it should not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So in Jesus' kingdom, we must not follow the examples of the world. Our, our example is always Jesus. It's not some corporation. It's not the president. It's not some leadership seminar or some wealthy celebrity. Jesus, it says here, he became to be a servant. It always amazes me. Here's the, the creator of the universe came down as a man to serve you and I. As he says there once again in verse 28, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He gave his life. Therefore, we should give our lives in serving him and serving others. Romans 12, 1 uh, comes to mind that therefore, you know, in view of God's mercy, right, we should present ourselves as a living sacrifice, which is holy and pleasing, acceptable to him, right? So we're learning to die to ourselves, uh, serving the Lord, serving others. Godly leaders are not out there to please themselves. That's not a leader, not a Christian leader, not a godly leader. We are to serve Jesus and we serve his people. And as we mature in the Lord, we get better at this because our flesh is so strong. It, it's always about, I want to make sure I'm seen and I, I want the glory. Ah, no, we don't need any of that. We need to be serving with right motives, with the right attitude and in faithfulness. Turn your Bibles to the book of Philippians and Philippians chapter two with me. Something I think that Paul writes to the, the church of Philippi that's really stood out to me when it comes to service, uh, we find in kind of uh, verses four through 11. So we're in Philippians chapter two. Let me try to get there. Verses four through 11. He says this. Let each of you look out not for only his own interest, but also the interest of others. Let us let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every, uh, in those in heaven and on those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You know, Jesus is our perfect example and, um, and our mindset and our attitude should be the same. Once again, in verse four, let each of you look out not only for his own interests, so we gotta be taking care of ourselves, obviously, but also the interest of others. So outlook determines outcome. If the outlook is selfish, it's all about us, the actions will be divisive and destructive. If the outlook is selfless, then the actions are going to be unity 
in love. In verses kind of one through three, Paul talks about that there in Philippians two. But ultimately, the, the action was selfless equals unity and love. And, and what, he, what really stands out to me about this, about Jesus and, and his leadership and what he has done is in verse six, he says, but being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. It's just a really interesting term, robbery. What is he talking about? You know, he set aside the right of his glory and his power to become like us. Christ limited himself in power and and knowledge to be subject to this place, to this time, to, to physical pain, to hunger, to tiredness, to thirst, to human limitations. Yet Jesus let go of his royalty. He wasn't hanging on to it for you and for me. The Greek word for grasp there in verse 6, or robbery, depending on your translation there, the Greek word is harpagmos. It's the root word where we get harpazo, which may be familiar to some of you if you understand the rapture of the church. It means to snatch away violently. That's what Jesus is going to do. He's going to harpazo us. He's going to take us out of here one day. Praise the Lord. Looking forward to that. But until then, you know, um, if you ever try to take away something that somebody's got a death grip on, maybe a little kid, he's got a toy, he's going to give it up. Man, you just, just know it. There's like, it's mine, it's mine. Jesus is saying here, Jesus did not consider the equality with God that he has something that he had to selfishly hold on to or to rob. The mind of Christ or the attitude of Christ is that I cannot keep my privileges for myself. I must use them for others. And to do this, I am gladly laying aside those things, pay whatever price is necessary to do that which God has called me to do. And so when you're a leader, you got to lay aside your pride. You got to lay aside your positions because that's not what matters. What matters is getting the job done for the Lord because you're working for his kingdom and to serving others. We are not called to lord it over others, but to serve others and so and and provide for those under us the tools in which they need to succeed. Isn't that what Jesus did to us? I mean, he left us, right? He's the greatest leader in the world. He's leaving the disciples. They're all freaking out. He says, hey guys, wait. I've got a helper that's going to come alongside you, give you all the tools that you're going to need to be my leaders, all right? And the promise of the Holy Spirit, he's going to educate us. He's going to remind us. He's going to speak through us. He's going to encourage us. He's going to counsel us. Isn't that what the leadership is supposed to be doing to others? You provide people the tools to succeed. Whether that's education, you're training them, uh, giving them the right resources, materials, opportunities to serve. And, And I say this, allow them to fail even. Because it's in those points in times when they're under your tutelage that you can take them alongside and say, okay, yeah, it didn't work out as well as you thought, right? What happened? It was too much of you here or this or this happened. And you were able to train those things up. So make sure when you're in leadership training and you're learning about being a leader, make sure you have the proper tools and you're giving people proper tools, okay? My secretary at my office, um, I make sure, because I want her to succeed. Because when she succeeds, guess what? I succeed, the Lord succeeds, the kings of advance. So I make sure, I mean, she gets the latest and greatest computers. <laughs> uh, she gets all the resources she needs. You know, uh, I make sure she's getting paid. Uh, you know, we do all those things. I take care of her because that's what leaders do. 
Now, um, to help them be successful is important. I, I want to touch on another point about leadership, not just servant leadership, but something that's really important in leadership is understanding the word submission. Submission gets a bad rap, submit, you know, um, but it's also, it's a very, it's a beautiful thing. Um, once you've been in leadership, you realize how, how wonderful it is when you have people that submit to you and to want to serve and get the work done. I love it in our church when we have various uh, mission outreaches or something or, or doing something where these people are in charge. I like to come up, up alongside them and say, okay, you're leading this. How can I serve you? And I just love to allow them to lead and come on their lives and, and just help them succeed. And that's really what leadership is about. But submission is a military term. It just means under rank. It doesn't mean that someone's less valuable or um, they're not useful. We don't use them or abuse them. Well, they're under my submission. Okay, that's the world. We're of Christ. And we want to make sure that uh, we're helping them along and and meekness should really solve problems in life. So submission is a wonderful thing. Another th thought about leadership that I want to encourage all of you is to be faithful. Faithfulness is so important in ministry, especially when people are falling and going off of the world. Uh, Alexander Jimenez, they, they shipwrecked their faith, as Paul says. And, and Lord, that we would just be faithful. I had, a, I had a young man that come, I haven't seen in about 20 years, it was in my youth group a number of years ago. And, and he said to me, and he's in ministry as well, and he said, I just want to thank you for being faithful. Man, that just spoke volumes to me. You be faithful. Be faithful to the Lord. Be faithful to your spouse. Be faithful to your church, to the people that are under you. They need you to be faithful. Faithfulness is that trustworthiness and serving the Lord in the small things. Okay, Anybody can be faithful and everybody's watching. But being faithful and prepared with your ministry without having anybody supervise you. Can you be faithful when only God is watching? Important to um, sometimes test people in their faithfulness and, and trustworthiness as well. You know, those watching and following us need to be uh, faithful because there are so many that are not today. Last analogy I, I just want to kind of give to you uh, is be the turtle. Now, be the turtle. If you know the turtle and the hare story, uh, the hare loses. He's the faster runner. He should win. But why does a turtle win? because he's steady, he's consistent, and he wins the race. And so when you're going through life, and especially in your leadership position, there's going to be things that curveballs that come at you, things that come you expect that didn't happen. What do you need to be? You need to be faithful. You need to be steady. You need to be the turtle. In fact, I've been teaching this in my own leadership class at our church, and it was so blessed. This guy, he gave us a ride to the airport, and, uh, and on his dashboard is a turtle. I said, you got the turtle? He says, yeah, I want to be steady, and I want to be consistent, because that is how we win. It's like, man, you've been listening. Praise God. And so when things happen, don't freak out. Stay calm. You know, the storms are going to happen. I think it was the late Pastor Chuck uh, Smith that said, Blessed are the flexible, for they shall not break. People in leadership need to remember, everybody's watching, stay calm. Things are falling apart. Stay together. Don't appear. When things don't appear that they're working out, that's okay. 
God is able to work all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So have faith in the Lord to work all those things out. Leaders lead by example. When I was uh, in college, we had this term when the computers were back in a 386 computer. Uh, they were called, we called something called WYSIWYG. WYSIWYG is what you see is what you get. All the computers today are WYSIWYG. What you see on the printer or on the, on, the, on the screen is what you print out. That's perfect. Be a WYSIWYG to the world. Is what you see, what they see is what they get. Be real today in every aspect of your life. And, and people are going to see that. Faithfulness and commitment and service. Those are going to be important in being a true leader. Thanks for taking time with me this, this evening and, and, uh, and hearing about servant leadership. Pray for God to work in your heart in those areas. Thank you much. God bless. Well, I love how these principles are true, whether in your youth ministry or you're a lead pastor or a missionary. Man, we need to follow Jesus' example, and he was a true and incredible servant of God. And we have other great servants on this podcast, this episode today, a few other youth ministers and leaders for you as well to glean from this subject and to learn what's happening today in this generation to be able to pour into them and lean into this subject of youth ministry. Uh, one guy that I want to introduce to you is an by name Jonathan Ramatar. Jonathan Ramatar. He serves and has served for a while now at Family Church um, in our local area here. There's multiple campuses, and he's done a lot of student ministry, uh, planned a lot of camps. And before he get we get into his leadership lesson, I actually did a Patreon interview with him about student ministry, about being bivocational, all these incredible important subjects. But I asked him the the question: Why is it important for uh, camps, retreats? for youth ministry. Um, Jonathan not only plans this for his local church, but he also serves as the campus pastor at Lake Worth Christian School, where my kids go to school and I serve on the board of directors there as well. Uh, it's so cool to be able to see and hear from his perspective. So I'm actually going to share two snippets of interview and wisdom from him as I did a deep dive into youth ministry on, you can find the whole interview on the Patreon page, but listen to how he answers this question. Why is it important for retreats for students to be getting away, seeking Jesus together and in a camp? I know for me, it changed my life and I just want to encourage you because it's a lot of work to do to continue to do those things and give opportunity for kids to meet Jesus in their context to minister to them. Here's a little snippet from the Patreon interview with Jonathan Ramatar. Yeah, or maybe just explain like why they're important. Why do you guys do camps? Yeah, so yeah, so yeah, so we, we view camps as such a valuable thing that we're willing to do them ourselves. And it, it's a lot of work. You know? Yeah, it's a lot of work, it's a lot, a lot of, of time. Um, you know, uh, those interns I was talking about earlier, um, we, part of the big reason why we bring in like, you know, 70 to 80 college interns every summer is to help us run camp. You know what I mean? That, that's a, that's a big part of that. And every summer I tell them guys, like, we can't do this without you. You're so important. So that's just the, how big of an endeavor it is. And, um, I think the reason why we're willing to do that is like one of the things we believe is that a change of pace plus a change of place can often equal a change of heart. That's only said church law, right? Man, that was really helping me do another P. That would have been so good. Can was, one a change of place, a change of space. I want to, no, it, and then you went heart? That didn't even rhyme. Yeah, it didn't rhyme, but it's still effective. Right? Okay, so that a, change was, of, a change of place plus wisdom. a change of pace can equal a change of heart, right? Yeah, because a lot of times we fall into these routines, right? Mm -hmm. We fall into these routines where we end up kind of, 
um, going on autopilot throughout life. And I think a lot of times when you're in a season when you're just going, um, you're just in autopilot, you're doing the same small things, same small routines over and over and over again, you're not necessarily thinking critically. And I think a lot of times, like, for whatever reason, you're just not as open to um, hearing from the Lord, right? Because I yeah, think yeah. you're distracted, you're distracted by what's going on at work, you're distracted by what's going on in life. But hey, man, if you can just like get out of your comfort zone and like go to a different pace, uh, place, I'm sorry, and change up the pace, right? Like get away from usual work schedule. Yeah. It's in those moments when I really do believe like, wow, like you can hear from God really clearly. Well, it was super fun to be able to interview Jonathan, not only asking him what the importance of summer camps are, but how do you plan a good summer camp? How do you manage your time? What about being bivocational? Doing all these deep dive questions into youth ministry and student ministry. You can check that out, the full interview on our Patreon page. Uh, But I wanted to get into this lesson, um, just his leadership lesson. I asked him, hey, not only do I want to spend time just asking questions and learning from you who are serving the youth, this next generation, but what is some what are some lessons you've learned as a youth leader uh, serving this next generation? Um, and man, he is going to share with us four principles he's learned as a student pastor, uh, one that continually pours in, and he has this unique perspective, not only being a youth leader, but also seeing kids every day on the campus of a high school and middle school being a campus pastor at Lake Worth Christian School. Uh, it's really cool to get his perspective and wisdom and just some hear some things of how God has taught him as he served the Lord in this capacity. I know you're going to like it. Again, this is Jonathan Ramatar now with his leadership lesson. Hi. Well, hey guys, my name is Jonathan Ramatar. I am a student pastor at Lake Worth Christian School. I also get to serve in the Family Church Network here in South Florida as a student pastor. And I've been working with students for the past 10 years. And uh, prior to that, my previous uh, job was as a classroom teacher. So I've been spending quite a lot of time with students and I'm excited to be um, part of this podcast today and just talk about leadership lessons that I've gleaned and taken from my experience in student ministry. Um, Just a little bit about my call to ministry and my call to leadership. And a lot of this, I think, includes my own story as a high school student because that experience, I feel like, really does fuel a lot of my passion as a student minister. So when I remember myself in high school, a lot of the things I think about are sort of this sense of aimlessness and a lack of purpose. And something I find very interesting is a lot of the issues that we see in young men today, the things uh, young Gen Z um, men are struggling with when it comes to apathy, when it comes to depression, when it comes to lack of purpose. I was in that exact same camp. So even though I was in high school um, as a millennial and an entirely different generation of person, um, I still think I can relate to a lot of what our guys are going through right now. And so... Um, As I felt that lack of purpose and sort of lack of meaning in my life, what I did is I tried to fix it with religion. So I know that my mother was going to church and she was still pretty involved. So I went back to church and I I started, um, you know, interacting with Christianity for the first time in a while. And what I stumbled into was this sort of works-based theology. And I stumbled into a Christianity that was based around what I can do instead of what Jesus has already done. Thankfully, I went to a more theologically sound college Bible study, and it was there when I heard the gospel for the first time, which was at a family church college Bible study. And 
after hearing the gospel, we get committed my life to Christ, and I really jumped right into serving in student ministry. Um, so really, um, I spent the next uh, four years of my life interning throughout my college years. After that, I was invited to join our church's residency program, and I was ordained in 2016. And just recently, I finished my master's in Christian education at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. So with all that being said, um, I'd love to just share with you uh, four things that I've learned as a leader um, in regards to student ministry. And these are just four uh, sort of quick core principles that I believe can really help any student pastor. Um, the first principle is that I believe it's really important to build a relational bridge that bears the weight of truth, right? Building a relational bridge that's strong enough to bear the weight of important truth. So I think a lot of times uh, when we are ministering to Gen Z, um, it's very in vogue. It's very easy to say that they're a soft generation or they're a snowflakey generation, right? We think they're far too sensitive. So what we want to do is we want to just sort of barge right in and lay out clear truth because we feel like at the end of the day, that's what they need. They need more facts and they need less feelings, right? And as great as that may sound and as effective as you think that may be, the truth is that uh, no matter what the age, and especially, but especially teenagers, people don't really care what you have to say until they know that you care about them, right? It's like the old adage says, people don't care what you know until they know that you care. So one of the things that I believe is very pivotal to any successful student ministry is investing real time, building strong relationships with students. Um, I will, not only at my church, but also um, during school hours, something I'm a big believer in is the idea of purposeful hangout time. And what I mean by that is whenever there is a moment, maybe it's before your student ministry starts, maybe it's like the um, moments in the morning before main service if you're a pastor, right? Uh, maybe if it's at school, it's like the times when the kids are waiting for their parents to pick them up or before a big event starts, or maybe it's right after, right? Really taking that time and using it to build relationships, right? Asking good questions, listening, right? Um, I think a lot of times as pastors, what we want to do is we want to fix, we want to fix, fix, fix. And then as soon as we hear students like tell a little bit of the story and open up a little bit of their life, our first reaction isn't to listen more. It's to just correct and fix what we can. You know what I mean? And a lot of times what we really should be doing is investing real time, building strong relationships. So when the time comes to deliver some tough truth or some harsh truth, right? Um, they're actually able to receive it because they trust you and they know you, right? Um, so I think a big part of this, like I said, it's asking good questions, it's actually listening and also doing a little research, right? Um, I don't think that we need to pretend and, and um, you know, try to be, a, try to appear as younger than we actually are when we're leading students, you know what I mean? I'm not sure if you guys have ever seen that meme that says, how do you do fellow kids, right? Uh, we don't need to do that necessarily. But it is great just to be aware of what's going on in the lives of your students, right? Like what video games are they playing? What movies are they watching? Which celebrities are they following, right? So building a building relational bridges, I believe goes a long way and it helps those important truths last longer. So that's the first key principle. Um, the second thing I've learned to do is be realistic in defining what a win is in ministry, right? So being realistic in what you define to be a win in ministry. Um, so I host a chapel service uh, once a week at my school for both middle and high school students. And something that always amazes me is I'll bring in, I'll bring in like a very um, well-qualified, well-educated, 
Um, you know, someone who has a ton of experience in ministry, who has a seminary degree, and I bring them in to preach, and they're talking to middle school students at around 7.50 in the morning, and they hit them with like a 25-minute sermon with all these weighty theological terms, and not once do they try to actually connect with them as teenagers, right? And I think a lot of times we have this attitude where we want to constantly raise standards and challenge students to meet them. When I think a lot of times in ministry, we just need to sort of temper our expectations, right? So in regards to that same chapel situation, I don't regard it as a win if I give them this super long, but perhaps quality sermon. Instead, I consider a win like a solid 15 minute sermon that holds their attention and actually has applicable advice for them, right? I think a lot of times we just need to be willing to meet this generation uh, where they're at and temper expectations, right? Um, Gen Z is a generation that is completely overstimulated. They do not have a strong attention span and that's okay, right? Um, your sermon is not going to undo years and years and years and years of damage. It's important to simply be willing to meet their students where they are at, right? Understand that they will make mistakes, understand they will say dumb things, but if you can get them just to think a little longer, right, that can be a win. Perhaps a win uh, for your Gen Z focused ministry looks like, hey, you know what, I got them to memorize one verse of scripture this week. Hey, I got them to invite one friend to church, right? I think sometimes we want to have these lofty goals in ministry when in reality we should be more willing and more flexible to just simply redefine what we consider a win. Um, so the third thing um, I think is important when it comes to ministering to Gen Z is speaking clearly about things that matter, right? So I think now more than ever, um, we live in a culture where we see the effects of postmodernism, where there are multiple versions of truth, where apparently what's true for one person may not be true about another person. And especially during this time, we need to be willing to preach the Bible and preach it clearly, right, and unapologetically. Um, right now, our churches are going to be refugees for victims of the sexual revolution of the 2010s, okay? So we need to be clear about um, important things such as gender identity, right, such as preaching about LGBTQ um, theories and situations like that. But when preaching these harsh truths, we need to also be willing to teach them clearly, but also lovingly, right? Um, I think a lot of times when you read chap uh, John chapter one, you'll see an example where Jesus is described as being filled with both grace and truth, right? Jesus is described as being filled with both grace and truth. As pastors, we need to kind of master that tension, right? To kind of walk that tightrope where we speak truth unapologetically but at the same time, we're willing to be gracious in the way that we speak that truth. So it's possible to be clear and loving. It's possible to have conviction, but still be um, stern on those convictions and still be um, empathetic on those convictions, right? So when we are talking about issues that are gonna be challenging, it's important that um, we're loving in the way that we speak about those issues, right? So for example, maybe avoid jokes about identity and and transgender things that seem to be in vogue. Avoid harmful language, right? Um, speak in such a way where people are going to be willing to listen to you and be willing to view as someone who is understanding as opposed to reinforcing negative stereotypes surrounding Christianity. So I think we need to be willing to speak clearly about things that matter, but do so in such a loving way. 
The fourth thing um, I believe is important is to allow room for questions in your student ministry. Um, allow room for questions in your student ministry. I think it's very important that students think critically. You know, the, the number one question student ministries that we're always asking is why do students leave the church once they graduate, right? Why is it that we spend years and years and years putting our kids in student ministry to go through kids ministry, then they go through middle school ministry, then they go to high school ministry, then they graduate with a decade of Christian um, education and a decade's worth of ministry um, only to go off into college and the moment that their faith is challenged, give in, right? And walk away from the faith. Why is that? Um, I think the reason why is because we never really teach our students to think critically, right? We don't allow them to ask questions. A lot of times when they ask questions where we either we either shoot them down or we sort of brush them off like, you know, they don't know what they're talking about, right? But we need to be willing to allow our students to ask a lot of ask a lot of important questions and encourage them to think critically and really challenge your faith, right? Because a faith that is never tested is only going to be a weak faith, right? So we want our students' faith to be tried and tested so when they do encounter hostility towards the gospel and hostility towards Christianity, they're actually able to stand firm and stand strong in what they believe. A big part of that is just allowing room for questions, right? And the tone in which we answer those questions is important. Our willingness to answer those questions is important. But we just need to allow room for questions, right? Allow room for critical thinking and critical observations. And the last thing, the fifth thing I think is important to remember, um, this is pretty simple. It's just to remember they're just kids, right? At the end of the day, they're just kids. Um, always remember there were times when you were a teenager, when you did foolish things, when you said stupid things. I know for sure that's true about me. And whenever I get frustrated with a student and I get angry and I'm wondering what on earth could possibly be going through their minds, what always calms me down is I stop and I think about myself as a teenager and the things I used to say and things I used to do. And all of a sudden, it's a lot easier to show grace. So just remember they're just kids and they're learning. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to take sometimes discipleship is going to look like them taking three steps back and then taking one step forward. And that's okay. You know what I mean? I believe um, it was Eugene Patterson who defined the Christian walk as a long walk of obedience in one direction. And sometimes that walk just takes a long time and sometimes it's a little messy. So we used to be willing to walk with our students, understand they're just kids and understand they're just learning. Well, I'm super grateful for how God continues to use people to impact the next generation. People like Jonathan Ramatar, uh, a local leader in our area on the grind and doing a great and effective job uh, loving and pouring God's word into students' life, uh, my children included. Um, so I'm very grateful for him. I love what he's doing. I love being able to see the fruit up close, pray with him monthly, and just um, even be able to pour into youth leaders. But the thing is, is we uh, not only need to pour into youth leaders and the youth, but learn from them. They need to pour into us. They, we need to be learning from the younger generation um, as those that have gone before. And listen, as we do, we learn that they do things sometimes differently. Case in point, I ask another youth leader in our area from the Avenue Church. His name is Pastor Sam Powers. That's right. With that type of name. 
How awesome is that? Sam Powers to be able to uh, give us a one piece of advice for other youth leaders and to learn from him as well. Now, Sam, he does a great job. He's an excellent preacher. He preaches regularly at the Avenue Church, but has a great uh, impact in our area in Delray Beach, Florida, as he serves as the director of student kids or kingdom kids um, and teams up with uh, Trinity Lutheran Church and the Avenue Church as they've combined youth ministries and really made an impact to pour into youth, not being about their own church but about God's kingdom and making it a priority to serve the people that uh, God has placed in our city. And so really grateful for him. He's also made an impact on my uh, son's life. As I remember Jeremiah always saying, yeah, Sam taught today at Lake Worth Christian School Chapel. I really like when he shares. And so um, really excited. And I think you're going to be encouraged by the heart and the maturity of these youth leaders that are pouring into the next generation. They may be young, but man, God's spirit is using them in great ways. And it's not a bad thing that they're young. They're doing things differently. So instead of the the H uh, 16 by 9 format of this video, if you're watching on YouTube, he straight just got a selfie uh, vertical view right? Because that's what the scroll is. That's what all the social media is. And he just recorded his uh, one piece of advice um, vertically. And guess what? It's fire. The content is crazy. It may have come at a different format than I thought or was expecting, but the content and the, the maturity was there. And so I think sometimes when we think about the next generation or the younger generation, we sometimes get distracted because the content or the way they do things or man, some of these slang words are crazy. But listen, God really is using the next generation and will always use the next generation. He's faithful to the generation from generation. Um, and so really grateful and excited for you to share or for you to hear uh, Sam Powers one piece of advice. Hey, what's up, guys? My name is Sam Powers, and I'm the youth pastor at the Avenue Church in Delray Beach. And my one piece of advice for youth workers or ministry leaders would be to fight to abide. Jesus says in John 15, I'm the vine and you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And, and I, I love how simple Jesus is at the end of that. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. If you want spiritual fruit in your life, in your ministry, like, like I'm where that comes from, Jesus says. And yet, I know that, I believe that, and we all do, but functionally, I think sometimes we, we run and we go and we get focused on doing and being God's employees and working really hard with, with good motives sometimes, but out of our own power. We're the life source, and Jesus says in John 15, you're not the life source. I am. And so being people who fight to abide when when the demands of ministry and the demands of life are, the to-do list is long, but being people who say, no, I'm going to fight for time. I, I will abide specifically and be, be with Jesus daily in, in moments of prayer, time in the word, um, prayer throughout the day. Like I, I will fight to make this a deeply spiritual personal uh, ministry. This is this is my worship. This is not my job. This is my worship. Um, and Jesus goes on at the end of that chapter to say, I've said these things that your joy may be full, that I would give you my joy. 
And, and that's where joyful and fruitful ministry comes from, people who are desperate to abide in the vine. Well, like I said, we need to be learning from these guys that are on the front lines in youth ministry. And so I wanted to give just another sneak peek of the interview that I had with Jonathan, uh, specifically about the philosophy and dealing with um, being bivocational. Now, I know that a lot of youth directors, youth uh, pastors, student ministers are actually bivocational, and it's so valuable. It makes such a difference. A lot of churches, the average church, I think, in America is 87 people. They don't have enough finances to hire not only a pastor, but a youth director or a pastor, worship leader, the whole staff. But there's a lot of volunteers that are bivocational, making a huge difference. And Jonathan and the philosophy of Flame Family Churches, let's embrace that where God has us and you can still serve God being bivocational, have a great calling and learn from the Lord. And so I just wanted to encourage you guys, especially that are bivocational like myself, um, that we can still make an impact for God's kingdom and serve the Lord, especially when it comes to youth ministry as most of you are and so be encouraged that god has called you to this work and just because you have income from another job doesn't mean that you are not valuable in fact some churches know this and they're embracing this because this is how the kingdom of god works it's effective to do it as a calling and not as a career so be encouraged by this little interview i think you'll be blessed by it what are some lessons you've learned from actually being bivocational? Because I'm sure your time is very uh, precious and it's hard. I understand being bivocational myself. Yeah, yeah. No, I think, uh, man, I've learned I've learned a lot. And I think the big thing is, um, I think time management. I know it sounds obvious, you yeah. know what I mean? But um, just learning, like, you know, first of all, finding rest in the idea that I really do believe that there will always be time to do everything that God has called you to do. Right. Mm -hmm. So God's not going to call you to do something that is impossible. Right. I like, guess. So the things that God has called us to do every day, there's always going to be time to do those things in his sovereignty. So I think that was one of the first things I've learned in regards to time management is um, learning how to rest in that, learning how to have peace in that and really believe in that. Um, and then the second component I learned is that um, a lot of times, man, when we feel overwhelmed and we feel like we just don't have time, you know, a lot of times it's these little decisions that we make every day. Um, and it's almost these little pockets and these little moments of time that we're just not using correctly. Right. You know what I mean? So I've kind of yeah, realized yeah. like, Hey, early on in the morning, you know what I mean? Like a lot of times I'm like, man, I take like an hour to get ready. Right. And when I say get ready, that's not just like, you know, getting dressed or whatever. It's kind of like an hour to get going. Um, and then I realized, I was like, man, really what I do is I wake up, I drink coffee and then I sit down on my phone for like 30 minutes and just like, you know, I'm not doing anything productive. You know what I mean? I'm checking social media. I'm checking the score on the game. I'm looking at like, you know, highlights from YouTube or whatever. Mm -hmm. But in reality, I'm like, man, that's 30 minutes that I can use to not do like intensive, like sort of like, you know, um, deep thinking type projects, but instead, Hey, that's 30 minutes where I can like, you know, crank out a few emails, you know what I mean? Answer a few questions, reply to a few easy texts, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I just think it's like things like that where it's like, man, I realize that there is a lot more time in our day that we just don't use wisely necessarily. You know what I mean? Like, yep. hey, like, you know, when you're driving home, you know what I mean? Like I have like a 20, like a 15, 20 minute commute home. Hey, it's a great time to like finish some of the phone calls I had to finish. You know what I mean? That's a great time to like, you know, perhaps commit to thinking through 
when I'm going to speak during um, a Sunday sermon, right? So it's like almost yeah. like, hey, it's, it's taught me to be more strategic with those little pockets of time that I do have. So No, yeah. that's so good to hear. Like, I, I feel like people get on me all the time because I'm such a planner mm -hmm. and like calendar and schedule, but it's because yeah. I'm so stretched mm -hmm. and it's like, I need to have this done, that done and this thing and that. And so I have to say no to a lot of good stuff. Yeah. And use my time wisely. Mm -hmm. There's actually a Bible verse in there, Ephesians 5, and I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, uh, but use your time wisely, knowing the days are evil, to actually do some good. And, you know, you said no to social media, no to this, no, but I could do an email and be more productive. Mm -hmm. And not just to be busy for busy sake, exactly, but I think that's yeah. important to be like productive. Like, what has God called me to? Mm -hmm. How can I give myself to that? Yeah. And I don't want to like, you know, make it seem like, oh, like I never enjoy things. And I'm like this like hyper productive person because the truth is that I'm not. Um, but I've just learned to like, hey, if I want to fully walk in everything that God has called me to do in this season of my life and fully walk in um, everything that he's equipped me to do in this season of my life, I just need to like exercise better time management. You know what I mean? And I need, yeah. and there's just going to be, I think part of being bivocational is that there's just like a little less room for error in your schedule every day. You know what that's, I mean? That's just really like, good to say. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, you know, like you, you kind of just got to, you just have no choice, but to be a little more strict with your meeting times, like a little more strict with like, you know, the times that you used to have fun, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, there's not a lot of room for error. So yeah. Yeah. I even found myself having to stop my study time and being like, listen, I only have six hours or four hours for this message or mm -hmm. 20 minutes, like whatever yeah. it may be like, God, you got to give me wisdom and that time and this. And <laughs> I know it could be polished, but I like, yeah. like Sunday's coming. Yeah. And I got this time. <laughs> no, that is uh that's absolutely my prayer during the last verse. I'm sorry. The last bridge of the third worship song every Sunday before I preach. It's always like, God, I know I could have spent more time in the sermon, but <laughs> but here we are. Your people are here, plus this, you know what I mean? But I mean, we I laugh and, you know, I say that jokingly and, and relatably, but like, it, it's true. You know what I mean? A lot of times, like, a big part of it is just trusting God to, to bless the work he's called you to. You know yeah. what I mean? Trusting that, like, hey, he's not going to call you to something and, and that is impossible or that you're going to fail at. So yeah. I love that. Well, there you have it. Episode 14, all about youth ministry. And listen, uh, if you're a youth leader, youth pastor, youth minister, I'd love to get your perspective, your thoughts. Hey, reach out to me, daniel at eeleaders.com. Uh, and I'd love to give a chance for you to share a leadership lesson with us and just actually talk over the phone or email and learn from you to hear what God is doing, not only in our generation, but also in your life. And so guys, let's keep up the good work. Do the things God's called called you to do. Thank God that he moves not only just in our generation, like David said, God, you're doing a work in my generation, but he's faithful to the generations. And we are required and excited to be able to pass our faith on to others. And so until next video, guys, keep up the good work, praying for you, and let's be praying for the youth in this time and in this season. God bless you guys.